right now. All right, I guess we're live. Good morning. Happy Valentine's Day. Um, today, as you can see, we're doing this from the house again. That's primarily because it is so cold outside. Vehicles aren't starting and we don't want anybody to get stranded anywhere. So we're going to do this from the house. Um, I just ask that keep in mind all those that are working outside today, Lord, the, the uh, farmers and the ranchers and all those people that need to work outside to do their job and, and the animals, Lord, just keep them all in, in mind here as we uh, as we deal with this heat or this cold, excuse me, not heat. It was a cold morning for my bucket, but it was a nice bucket anyway. So as we are going into this, I want to talk to you just a little bit about the origins of Valentine's Day. Um, in 250 AD, there was a priest named Valentine who was serving in Rome and Claudius, the emperor of Rome, was trying to figure out how to get better soldiers for his for the Roman legions. One of the things he did was he realized that he was volunteers were better, so he asked for volunteers and not conscripts. But he had a problem with volunteers because anyone who was married wanted to stay home with their families instead. So he said only single soldiers. Well, then the problem there was there was not enough of them, so he banned marriage. For a while in the Roman Empire. Valentine quietly by himself went out and was was secretly marrying people. He people would young people would come to him and he would uh, do quiet ceremonies where no one can see him. Eventually he was found out and he was arrested and convicted to death and those that he had married would would uh, secretly put flowers and little notes in into his cell. They were throwing them through the window into his cell. And one of the jailer's daughters spent a lot of time with him talking to him, got to know him and they had a, they had a close relationship. And when he died, he left her a letter and he signed it from your Valentine. That's kind of the origin of the Valentine story, at least the legend that is behind it. And as we celebrate Valentine's today, I wanna to go into the concept of what Jesus said uh, in regards to love. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we begin here. Father God, I thank you that we have the opportunity to meet even when it's cold, that we have the opportunity to share with each other and to spend time with each other. And Lord, as we go forward, I just pray that you give me the words that you want spoken. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's talk about what God says about love. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says, Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God doesn't just talk about love, however. He gave us a really good example. He gave us an example uh, through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word, and to present her, her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. 
Now, Jesus is an example of the love of God. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to us. And he also uses the analogy of a husband and a bride and how a husband should treat the bride and the fact that he is the husband and we as the church are the bride. First John 4:19 says, we love because he first loved us. Human nature itself is not given to selfless love. That's not who we are as humans. As humans, we're very base. And what we might call love is simply a desire for something that we, we uh, go about getting in any way or shape possible. But God's love is greater than that. And Jesus in his own life loved the church. He loved his followers. And at the very end of his life, before he ascended back into to heaven, and he was appearing to the disciples, he really spent some time trying to get people to understand that the church is something we need to take care of. John 21, 15 through 17, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus was asking Peter to take care of the church, to take care of his followers. He says, if you love me, that's his highest priority at that time was to take care of the church, to take care of his bride. And when he's talking about that, he's not talking about a building. We're not talking about a church fund. We're not talking about finances. We're talking about the people and taking care of the people that God loves, the people of the church. So how do we take care of the people of the church? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to spend time with her. To take care of that bride, we need to spend time with her. The story of a man who comes home about 5.30 and his wife has, they have young children and his wife has had a harried day. She's just been driven crazy. If any of you have young children, you understand. I've never really understood the draw of Cupid. A fat little toddler with a bow and arrow chasing you around just doesn't sound like something. If you've got, you've got children, you'd understand that that's not necessarily a sign of, uh, of romance there. But this man comes home and his wife is, is flustered and she starts to talk to him about it. And he gets flustered and they end up having an argument for about two hours. Finally, the man says, maybe I should just go out and start over. So he walks out on the porch, closes the door, opens the door and says, honey, I'm home. And she said, where have you been for the last two hours? Understanding that we need to take care of the bride and we need to spend time with her is something that we should think about from a concept of the church. And part of that concept is the understanding that we need to be present with the church. We need to be there. We need to spend time with each other. God calls us to do that. In Matthew 8, 20, it says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Our priority should be getting together and spending time in fellowship with each other, in loving each other, and taking care of the things that are necessary to take care of the people of the church. 
First John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So Jesus' desire for us there at this point in time was that we spend time together. And we can't put anything in front of that. It has to be a priority in our lives. That's It's something that my wife and I have always stressed and we, and we really are, are uh, focused on is getting together with the church. On Sundays, that's where you should be. You should be spending time with the church, not just on Sundays, any chance you get. Spend time in fellowship with the community of believers. The second thing that we should do to take care of the bride is to offer words of comfort. Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Our speech has power. What we say to each other has power. A lot of churches have fallen apart because of gossip or, or grumbling or things in the, in the background. Now, if every time somebody hurts your feelings, uh, you leave the church or you walk away, what are you saying about your love of Christ and the love of the bride? You know, if, if I had moved every time somebody said something that hurt my feelings, I, don't, I think we'd probably have to live in a camper because we moved so much. But God has really, really blessed us in having this church and having the people that are gathered today online and usually together in a building. But we gather together in love. And with that love comes taking care of each other. And those words that we have, the powerful words that we have of blessing, the things that come out of our mouths that should build each other up. Just like in a marriage, a husband and wife should be building each other up constantly, so should a church. So as we take care of that bride, we spend our time focusing on these things. 1 Corinthians 13, one through three says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, I do not have love. I gain nothing. Love is so important for us to, to share with each other. And that's the patience and that's the kindness. And to support the bride, we definitely need to be speaking out in love. The third thing I wanna bring up is care for the bride is we need to invest ourselves in this relationship just like in a, in a relationship between a husband and wife here on earth we should also be investing in caring for the bride in our church now caring for the bride has many different uh facets but one of the things i see in the in in church is that sometimes there are those that don't really participate they sit and they take it in but they don't really participate in any of the ministry. They don't participate in any of the work involved in the church. And a lot of them will say, well, that's nobody's really asked me to. So they sit back and, and they just wait for someone to ask them. Well, as a husband, I tell you, um, Valentine's Day rolls around every year and every year at the last moment, possibly the day before. I try and find something for my wife, something that's special, something that that is uh, uh, personal that tries to convey the way I feel and I always kind of stumble around and don't know what I'm doing the best way to find out what someone needs is to ask if I ask her I'll find out exactly what she wants me to get her for Valentine's Day 
And when we do something like that, when we ask and we show interest, we're investing ourselves in the relationship that we have. And our relationship with the church should be the same way. We should invest ourselves, our time, our effort, our labor. Our hearts should be invested into, into that church. And as we do so, we'll be able to continue to build that relationship. And we'll, to do that, we need to ask, well, what can I do? What needs to be done? What part of ministry can I partake in? What can I help with? Colossians 3.14 says, And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. That love that we have for each other should bind us together. We should all be unified and working together towards the same goal. We should be working together for the, the furthering of the kingdom of God. And to do that, we have to all be engaged in working. We have to invest ourselves. Romans 13.8 says, 13, says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. All of these things come back to that concept of just participating, being there, being invested. It's not your parents' church. It's your church. It's not someone else's church and you're just a spectator. It's your church. And the church is made up not of the building again, but it is of the body. It is the people that are there. And to be one of those people means that you're invested in it. You take part in it, just like you would in a family or in a marriage. Three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? The emphasis on his answer was always, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep, take care of my church. Those actions are, are that he's asking him to do are actions of actually doing something. That's interesting when we look at these things. And the things that Jesus are saying here, he taught, he tells him to feed my church. He doesn't say anything about time frame there. He just says feed. So be involved now. Get involved. Take part in your church. The next thing I want to talk about in caring for the bride is that in caring for the bride, we should make sure it grows. That's one of the things I really strive for in my marriage is to continue to allow my wife to grow to change, to mature, to, to grow in everything that, that she has, including love for me and, and my love for her. Those things should be growing. But when it comes to the church, there's other things to grow. Jesus told Peter, feed my lambs. Well, what are sheep good for? What do they produce? Well, first of all, they produce wool, of course. Secondly, they produce more sheep. He, Jesus is the shepherd. And we are the sheep of his pasture. And our, one of our responsibilities is to grow the herds, grow the flock, to draw more people into the church. We need to talk to people about Jesus and build up the family of God. Acts 4, 2, 44 through 47 speaks of the New Testament church. And this is right after Pentecost. and says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give it to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When we as a church concentrate on taking care of each other and taking care of those that are in need, we will grow as a church. 
when people see our love for them, when they see the love that we have for each other and the love that we have for those around us and the love that they have, we have for our society, then they will begin to understand the love of God. And if we are glad and have sincere hearts and we're praising God and enjoying all these things, we will enjoy the favor of all people. People will look to the church and say, I want what they have. That's when the numbers will be added to us daily. One of the things that I, I found when I was getting ready for this sermon was a story about Helen Keller. And this is an absolutely beautiful story. And she she's told this story herself about Ann Sullivan's, the woman who taught her to uh, read and write. And she was about seven years old and Ann Sullivan gave her a doll and she was playing with the doll. And then she took her finger and she traced on her hands the words doll, D-O-L-L. Once, once she understood, once Helen Keller understood that she was writing the words on her hands, she got so excited and she went down and told her mother and took her mother's hand and traced on her mother's hand, doll. Well, not too much later, we know the story that Ann Sullivan then put her hand under running water and then wrote the word water on there. And after they'd gone through several hundred words and she had learned more and more, one day Ann Sullivan went to her hand and wrote the word love. At that point in time, Helen Keller took her hand and wrote what is love on her hand. Well, love for us as Christians should be that constant giving, that constant sharing, that constant push forward for all people, because God wanted all people to to, uh, to come to him. He asked all people. He's, he can't, His son came so that none would be lost. And it's our job, I believe, to trace the word love in other people's hands. In that same kind and gentle way, we should be able to touch someone and show the love of God through something that simple. John 14, 23 says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Think about that. Think about the opportunity you have to share the love of God with someone and then the father becomes part of them. They'll come to them, make their home with them. The way we can reach out and touch people and grow our church, not only, not only in the physical number, but also in the love. The love that you share with someone is exponential. In other words, if you love someone and share God with them and they share it with someone else, you may share it with one and they may share it with their family and their family may share it with someone else. And it just continues to grow and grow and grow from there. That's the true meaning of love. That's the true thing that God was aiming for in the very beginning. So I'm gonna leave you with this last verse. John 13, 34 says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. The gospel was summed up in these, in these things. Jesus came because he loved us. He died because he loved us. His father sent him because he loved us. Long before we could love them, they loved us. And as those things happened, Jesus said, as I have loved you, think about the life of Christ and what he has done. We read the Gospels, it says often that he had compassion on the people around him. He healed people that may not have believed before or after. He fed people that may not have known what that meant. He cared for people that didn't care for him. He loved 
without expecting anything back. But through that love that he shared with us, we, are, we have the ability to love one another, to share with others. I think that's really what love means in the end, is that we take care of each other, that we love each other just because we need to love. Not because we want anything from it, not because we expect any return on our love, but simply because Jesus said, love one another. So as we go into this, this day where we celebrate love and I think they said 180 million cards are exchanged just in the United States. I want you to think about the love that Jesus had for us, for his bride. The church is his bride and he is the bridegroom. He is the husband. Think about that and what we can do to help take care of his bride. The time will come when we'll be called before Jesus and we'll stand before him and his bride will be called home to him. And when that happens, we won't need to take care of each other anymore because we'll be in heaven and we will be reunited with him. But until that time comes, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus asked us to take care of the bride. And we are part of that. We are part of that church. We are part of that, that fellowship of believers. But we're also called to be caretakers for that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your son and your, his salvation. The way that you presented it to us was an awesome, awesome lesson for all of us. There are many ways, Lord, that you could have come and presented salvation to, to the world, but you did it by sending your son. And through your son, we understand what love truly is. We understand what your love truly is. And through that example, Lord, just I pray that you convict each and every one of us to love more deeply to love stronger, and to love with a purpose. And that purpose is simply to radiate and reflect your love for us onto the rest of the world so that they can see it too. And they can feel just an, just an inkling of who you are and who your love is by the love that we share. Father, Father just let the world see that, let them know that we are Christians by the love that we share. We love you, Father, and we praise you, and we want to serve you. Helps, help us to open our eyes and see the need for love that's in this world. Amen. Now, Father, or folks, if you have a prayer request, if you have a prayer request for us and you'd like to be put on the prayer list, just contact us on Facebook, myself or Jane. We'll add you to the prayer list. If you want to get a copy of our prayer list, say that, and we'll give you our prayer list too, because every week we put one together. There are a lot of people that are in need of prayer right now. There's a lot of people that are hurting, whether physically or financially or spiritually, they're hurting right now. Emotionally, their hearts are broken. While this day that we have right now is a day of love, it's also a day of loss sometimes. You know, it's a day where where people don't have someone to share a Valentine with. and if that's the case and you know someone like that, let's add them to the prayer list too so that they can feel our love. Hopefully next week we'll be meeting again in person. We'll, we'll be again gathered around. I think the weather's gonna turn around according to the forecast. We're not, not supposed to last. As Jane says, every day is a day closer to spring here. And as much as I love winter, um, and I, I do, I love winter. As much as I love winter, this bitter cold like this is so hard on things. 
and uh, it has kept us apart today, but it won't keep us apart forever. So until we meet again, I just pray that each and every one of you be blessed and that each and every one of you finds the love of God in your heart and can share it with others. God bless.